Well, I'm excited today because, as I told you, there will be some people this month helping me preach this Sunday. And I have the pleasure of welcoming my good friend, Pastor Jamal Bernard. Uh, many of you know his father, Pastor A.R. Bernard, Dr. A.R. Bernard, who has come to minister here at this church several times, and we're thankful for his wisdom. And let me tell you, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Uh, both Pastor Jamal and Dr. A.R. Bernard, they pastor Christian Cultural Center in New York, and it's a multi-campus church, and Pastor Jamal is senior pastor of their Long Island campus. And I'm privileged to introduce him here today. You know, we've been talking all month about how really we, we've been trying, we, a lot of people want to go back to normal, but really we, wanna, we need to go back to God. And in going back to God, we got to look to him for the answer. But guess what? While we're doing that, there are people looking to us for answers. So how do we respond to that when people are asking us to account for our faith? The scripture tells us we must have an answer. And this is the field that we know as the field of apologetics, where we are justifying and defending our faith. And Pastor Jamal has a word for us to help us to respond to those questions we may get at a time like this about where is God and how do we connect with him when things are in disarray. So without further ado, prepare your hearts for Pastor Jamal Bernard. Grace and Peace Zoe Christian Fellowship. I just want to say thank you for allowing me to be a part of the family. Bishop Ed Smith and First Lady Vanessa, God bless you and thank you. I bring greetings from my father, Dr. A.R. Bernard, and our CCC family. Uh, uh, Josh, or should I say Dr. Josh Smith, I got to give you credit. You, work, you put that work in. And, uh, you know, you got to add Dr. Josh Smith and Marcy, his lovely wife. I just want to say thank you so much for inviting me to be a part of the Zoe Christian Fellowship experience on Sundays. So I'm looking forward to being with you. Let us pray. Father God, thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you for who you are, for what you are. You're an amazing God. And in spite of us as individuals, you still see fit to use us. So I want to pray for Bishop and his lovely wife, that you continue to widen their territory, blessing them above and beyond what they have thought, even in this time of transition. I pray for, for a, a special anointing for Dr. Josh, that you just pour this anointing that will overflow and that you will open up doors necessary for him to become the individual you have called him to be. I pray for that you will close doors that might look uh, enticing, that will be antagonistic for what you have called him to be. Lord, I pray for his wife, Marcy, that you just anoint her afresh. And it's not easy being a pastor's wife, so we ask that you just guide God and govern her life. Touch her ears. Touch her spirit of discernment. Empower her to be what you have called her to be. Lord, we pray for Zoe Christian Fellowship that you would just continue using them as a beacon in the community. I pray that you just anoint me to speak a word in season for this audience. Lord, we love you and we thank you for it. In Jesus' precious name, amen and amen. Man, I'm so excited. I got a word. Uh, you know, I'm from New York, so I speak a little fast. So I got, if I got to slow it down, I apologize. And, and, and I'm looking at social media. I'm, I'm big. I troll sometimes. You know, I look at social media. I see what's going on. You go, you go on Instagram, Facebook, and, and the, the, the conversation is either the pandemic, 
the racial tension or now the, the voting and what's going on. And, and, and when you look at different search engines and you ask what are the top 10 things searched, for, for uh, Google, I know in the top five is, is hope, God, and faith. And, and, and the question is, okay, why are they looking for this? You know, you look at uh, mental health is at an all-time high. You look at divorces at, a, at an all-time high. You look at domestic abuse, not just between the, parent, uh, the, the, the husband and wife in, within the household. And we look at that and say, okay, what's going on? And then what happens is the world comes to the church and they ask questions. And the biggest thing that has been hurting the church is the ability and the failure, the inability and the failure to answer these questions. When you look at Steve Jobs and you, look at, you see Steve Jobs and Steve Jobs asked the priest a question. And because he didn't like the answer the priest gave him, he turned away from Christianity. You look at all the individuals who, 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 who ask these questions. You know, I had one individual, they asked me, said, well, well I, was, I, was, I was being molested. I was being uh, 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 mistreated. And I asked God, I said, God, Please stop it. And, 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 and they're saying, please stop. Please stop this individual. And why didn't God stop them? And these are the questions that we as a church, we feel to be able to answer properly and was make statements like God is good. And I got a question today. You know, like, what does it mean that God is good? We say it, but what does it really mean? Turn to your neighbor. If you're in your living room, turn to somebody. If you don't have a neighbor, text your neighbor that you know is watching this and say, what does it mean that God is good? We're going to answer some of these questions and, and dive into it. My big background, I love apologetics. I, I've been studying a lot of apologetics, philosophy, and different things like that. And, and, and there's, there's five questions that we, as apologists, we look to answer that sets the foundation for our worldview. And why it's so key that we need to be able to answer some of our questions when it comes to our worldview is because our worldview generates the basic assumptions that you bring to the questions of life, to the questions, uh, or, or should I say, the decisions you make comes out of your worldview, or, or, or the opinions you form comes out of your worldview, and the conclusions you draw. And what do I mean by that? When we look at social media, you know, we, we question, why is this person saying what they're saying? I had one individual that had the nerve to say, well, racism doesn't exist. I started laughing. I said, what do you mean by that? Or, or, or in the other statement says, well, can't we just uh, uh, leave the whole idea of slavery alone? That was not not in my generation. That was generations past. Why do I still have to have a discussion? Why do I still have to apologize? And my statement is, well, if you can benefit and accept the benefits from slavery, then you need to accept the negative parts of slavery and really deal with it. But that's not what I'm here to talk about. I'm here to talk about worldview. Everybody has a worldview. The question is, what is informing your worldview? See, for me, the worldview is so key because, once again, I said it, it, your, your worldview generates the basic assumptions that you bring to the questions of life, to the, the, the decisions you make, to the opinions you form, and the conclusions you draw. And why is that so key? Because your, your worldview will determine how you look at politics, religion, family, evil, worship, forgiveness, the church, the Bible, and ultimately God. And we, when, we, when we come down to the nitty-gritty, when we come down to the conversations, we say, okay, what does it look like to have the conversations? 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15 is one of the biggest apologetic uh, verses that we use. 
And, 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 and this is Jamalism. This is how I, 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 it helps me relate to this, the text. I put it in my words. And First uh, Peter 3.15 says, he says, look, he says, look, he said, at always keep God center, keep Christ center of your heart. And then he continues, the, the, uh, the author Peter says, be prepared at all times to answer the questions, but use gentleness and meekness to respond. So basically, Peter's saying that, that we as individuals, we in the Christian faith need to all be apologists. We all need to be prepared to answer the questions that life brings to us. Because the inability to answer some of these questions have caused people to walk away from the church. You know, so, so, so when we look at it, we say, okay, what, what, what creates our worldview? And we believe these are five questions that we need to ask or answer in our worldview. Number one, origin. Number two, meaning. Number three, identity. Number four, morality. And number five, destiny. Once again, number one, origin. Number two, meaning. Number three, identity. Number four, morality. And number five, destiny. And it's crucial that you answer these not with just a simple question or a simple pursuit for the answer, but a true, authentic pursuit. Because you're, 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 the, the answer for number one determines the answer for the rest of them. See, because your answer for number one determines if you can rightfully ask for justice. The answer for, for number one, it really, it really sets the standard on how we can judge morality. See, the answer for origin really puts us to a place where we can stand and have certain conversations. But if you're telling me that there's no God, then what value do I have as a human being? See, because origin sets the platform on how we see life. See, one of the, the statements that we say here at CCC is that we, we, we push people to see life from God's point of view. And I know it's difficult because with our finite minds, how can we see from such an infinite God? See, origin basically is the question saying, where do I come from? And in order for us to have that conversation, you really have to be solid in your beliefs and understanding where do we come from. See, for the naturalists or the atheists, they'll say that, that, that we are the primordial slime or the primordial goo. You know, it's about chance. And, and then they, they bring in evolution and say the survival of the fittest and, and we move on from there. But if we come from goo, then how can we say we as humans have value? See, in Romans chapter 1, he says that, it, it, the author says uh, that we can understand the unseen God by the things that are seen. We can have a, 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 some of an understanding that there was a creator for the creation. See, and the reason why you have to be able to answer, that, uh, answer these questions is because just like Pastor Josh spoke two weeks ago, he said, he said the, the title of the message was, I did not sign up for this. And you know how many people are saying that they did not sign up for this? 
One of the biggest questions that, that are asked of apologists is says, if God is so good, then why is there evil? If God loves us, why is there evil? And the idea is that, that, that if God is truly God, he has to create a being of free will. And free will authenticates true love. See, if he programmed us to love him, then it's not true love. But that's a different story. That's a different conversation. If I'm invited back, we're going to that answer. Because there's this thing called a trilemma. Okay, let me behave. Let me behave. So number one, let's answer that question. We don't, we're not going to have time to answer all five questions, but let's sit at number one for a little while. See, because in a book, my, one of my favorite books called The Bible, some of y'all might need to get familiar with it. Some of you are, you know, are not too familiar with it, but I love that book. In Genesis 1, 1. See, if you can't get past that verse, there's no need to read the rest of the Bible. Because it says, in the beginning, God. What does that mean? See, when you have a conversation, especially with the individuals, the, the, the Big Bang lovers, they love this whole idea that, that, that the world started out, out of a Big Bang. But the question is, what created the Big Bang? What was the, 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 the material or the, the energy that was needed to create such a massive explosion to create the universe? We're not just talking about the world, but we're talking about the universe. It's a massive thing. See, when the Big Bang happened, you had this thing called time, space, and matter that came into existence at the same time. So in order for that to happen, you have to have somebody that's timeless, spaceless, and immaterial. To me, the best answer is God. And we're going to get into this because, because if, if, if we as Christians, we have to set our mindset on, on, on who God is. See, doubt comes, and I've doubted. I've had doubts. I, I, I've wrestled with some texts and some scriptures and, and couldn't really accept fully some of the, the methodologies that God has used in order to interact with humanity and humankind. But the fact is, I'm not God. So who do I say? Who am I to get mad at the way God operates? See, God, with his infinite power, he can do what he wants. He can operate the way he wants. But yet he loves us. And because God loves us, that is the foundation to the framework on how he interacts with us. And the reason why we got to wrestle with this idea, because if I am created, then that means I have value to the one who created me. And if I have value to the one who created me, then I can stand with my head held high and say, you're treating me less than. So I can rise up and walk and protest. I can rise up and say, you're wrong. Because if I don't have a creator, then I don't have the right to truly say that I have value. Because where do I find my value outside of a creator? So the first question is key. Origin has to be answered fundamentally before we move on to meaning, morality, identity, and destiny. See, because we got to understand who this God is. 
We have to really understand because to me, and, 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 and you cannot search for justice apart from a creator. Because justice and the standard for justice has to stand outside of we as humans. Because we'll, we'll, we'll set some standards based on how we're feeling. See, but there's a universal code that's understood outside of humanity. Somebody says, you know, well, well, well what, what else can you use to prove uh, that God exists? I said, well, we can use logic. The whole idea that logic exists outside of man. If man discovered it or not, if man lives or not, logic still exists. If we had time, I'll go into that. I'm just setting the foundation. To whet your appetite, say, no, we need to start having these conversations. See, everybody says conversation, we need conversation. This person, oh, we need to have a conversation. This person says we all need to have a conversation. But the question, if you're not in pursuit of truth, you will not have the right conversation. And your worldview dictates how you pursue truth. Because in my Bible it says, Jesus is the way, the truth, not a truth, not some of truth, but the truth and the light. So origin says in Genesis chapter one, it says, in the beginning, God. What does that mean? First, we got to understand this God we, we, we love, this God we serve. We have to come to understanding because once again, I started talking about doubt. And, and when, when you, doubt comes when you have a conflict with your expectations on the nature of the very thing that you believe in. I'll repeat that. Doubt comes when there's a conflict between the nature of the very thing that you believe in and your expectations. So there's an expectation for God to operate a certain way. And when he doesn't operate the way you believe that he should operate, you start doubting his power and his nature. You start coming into conflict and, and wrestling with the whole idea of who this God is. See, I don't have a problem with the way God, who God is. See, because I understand this God that we serve. I understand that. And not, because I, and not fully, I won't come into my fullness, but I have a glimpse of this God we serve so I can stand in expectation and know how God is working for, and I'll, I'll make it personal for Jamal Bernard. Yeah, we don't sign up for stuff, but stuff happens. And, you know, and, 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 and I wrestle because somebody said, God is good. I asked the person, I said, what does that mean that God is good? What does that mean? And if you look up good in a dictionary, it, it, it's not a clear definition. You jump around between dictionary.com, Webster's uh, Dictionary, and some other dictionary uh, uh, apps that are out there, and, 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 and you wrestle with really coming to a, a definition that you can really express who God is. See, God is good does not even really talk about who this God we serve. See, I understand that we're all going to wrestle. We all have some questions that we have for God. And I love it because in, 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 in the same book that I keep on saying I love, he says, he says, come let us reason together. He says, let's have this conversation. He challenges us to ask him these questions. So let me, let me give you a, a, a snippet of this God we serve so you can understand. 
Because if you're watching this, if you're, if, if you're in church, then you have resolved the first thing, okay, no, I, I, I'm leaning more towards this God. I'm leaning more towards that, that this God exists because the, I, I, if I can't resolve anything else, I can say God, is, God exists. And let's wrestle through that. And let's get an understanding of who God is. Because God operates from his love, his life, and his light. And this is who he is. So let's, let's, let's really look at it. Number one, God is self-existent. You know, one of the questions says, who, who created God? God didn't have anybody create him. That, that's the first uncaused cause. When people ask who created God, they assume that God was created. That's the first problem. So God is self-existent. He's not caused by another. He's foundational of all being. So number one, God self-exists. He exists within himself. Number two, God is infinite. He's not limited. He's unlimited. The completely maximized or actualized being. When somebody says, well, who is God? I said, God is the highest conceivable being. He's the highest conceivable being. And, and, and they said, well, what if you have one, one individual, one God here and one God there? That means he's not fully complete. He needs something, someone else to help complete him. And that's not, that's not the God we serve. God is, 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 is the fully unhindered, unlimited cosmic being. He is above and beyond what we can think or imagine. That's why he can give us beyond what we think or we can imagine. God sits in a realm that our brains can barely comprehend. So God is number one, self-existing. You know, he doesn't need me to exist. I need him to exist, but he doesn't need Jamal to exist. And that's what's, that's what's beautiful about the relationship with us and God. And, and, and I, I, I want to say focus. Number two, he's infinite. He's unlimited. He's not bound by time, space, and matter. He respects time, space, and matter. He operates for the sake of humanity within time, space, and matter, but he's not bound by it. Number three, God is simple. And, and, and please, read the definition. God is simple. He's undivided in being and is not made up of parts. He's not divided in being. Number four, he's immaterial. He's immaterial. He's not made up of matter. And remember, in, in order for us to have a big bang, and, and this is what I tell everybody, I say, well, every big bang needs a big banger. To me, the best example is God. You get mad at me, then so be it. But every big bang needs a big banger because you can't have something that, if space, time, and matter started at the same point of singularity, then you had to have somebody outside of space, outside of time, and outside of material. So number four, God is immaterial. He is spirit, but he's not made up of matter. And it just even to wrap our mind around that is a difficult thing. Number five, and we're going to get through this quick. God is spaceless. He's not, he, he's not bound by space. He transcends space. He's spaceless. That's why you can hear, you can understand when, 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 when the author is saying that, that in him we move. In him we have our being. He, it, it understands that he is, he's, he's all-encompassing. He's all around. He's not limited 
to space. He's spaceless. And we had to have somebody spaceless to create space. So he transcends space. Number six, God is timeless. He transcends time. Eternal, had no beginning, and will have no end. He is the alpha and the omega. And when you hear that, it's not saying that he's going to start and he's going to end. It's just that, 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 that he is eternity. There's no beginning, no end with the God we serve. See, and you got to understand, when we start understanding and comprehending the magnitude of the God we serve, so he can, we can come to him and understand that he breathed existence out of nothing. So if that's the God we serve, then what is the little questions we have? What are the little requests that we have? If that's the God we serve, he's timeless. I love this one. Where am I up to number seven? I think number seven, right? God is omnipotent. God is omnipotent. He's all-powerful, can do whatever is logically possible, but won't go against his nature. And that's, that's, that's what I love because you know, when we grasp and understand this definition that God is all-powerful, then he's out without those, those limits that we put, we put, in, put on in our minds. He can do whatever is logically possible. What do I mean by that? He's not going to make a square circle. One, you didn't describe anything. You didn't really show what a square circle is. You said that. Those are two words that you put together, but it's not something that you're really truly describing. God, he says, he says in the Bible that God's not a man, that he should lie. God can't lie because if there's anything that would take away from his nature, he's no longer God. He can do... Whatever is logically possible won't, won't go against his nature. If there's anything that takes away from his nature, he's no longer God. So God is, his nature is love, life, and light. So darkness can't reside in the God we serve, the God we love. God is omnipresent. And that's basically present everywhere. He's everywhere present. God is omniscient, all-knowing, knows all, actual and please get this definition because when people say, well, why did God you know, uh, create this world? And he knew that man was going to sin in, and he knew that, that, that this individual was going to kill this person. This was going to happen. This earthquake and stuff like that. God is omniscient. He knows all actual and possible states of affairs. So there's an actual, he, he understands that this, in, in this actual state of affair, where we are living currently was the best feasible dis, uh, setup. So all I can say is, okay, what, imagine how the other setups would have been. You know, we can, we can accept where, where you know, I, I'm a big movie guy, I love movies, and we can accept Dr. Strange sitting there and he's thinking and looking at, and, into the futures and, and trying to understand which, which is the best possible way for, for, for the Avengers to defeat Thanos, and then he comes up with one. And we could cheer on, say, yes, go Dr. Strange. Yes, go Tony Starks. But yet when God designs the best feasible world, we question his power. We question his authority. See, God creates the best actual world. So what does he protect me from if he would have created the other actual world or the other feasible world? This is the best. And God is not finished. God has a plan. See, some people say, well, why didn't God respond? And why didn't God do anything he did over 2,000 years ago? He met evil, justice, love, 
and forgiveness at this place called the cross. And he said he, he, he responded to the sins past, present, and future of all men. And he said if you accept him, you love him, you believe in him, and you have eternal life. See, this Beck's actual feasible world that we live in now is not eternal for us. There's more. So God responded through the person called Jesus Christ. Let me hurry up and finish. You know, God is immutable. And I love this one. God is immutable. And basically he says he's changeless. And that's why the, the scripture says that God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. So therefore, if he loves me today, if I do something that's going to hurt and, 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 and sin against him, it doesn't change his love for me. Now, that's not a, a, a free-for-all to go out there and sin and say, well, God still loves me. Yes, he's still going to love you, but he doesn't take away the, the, the consequences. So God is immutable. He doesn't change who he is. God will always be love. God will always be light. God will always be life. That's the nature of who he is. So God is immutable, changeless. He's the anchor and standard by which everything else is measured. And I'll say that because you can't tell me that, that, that people who say, well, there's too much evil that disqualifies a God. No, because if there's evil, Ravi Zacharias said it the best. Dr. Ravi Zacharias, the late great Dr. Ravi Zacharias, he said it the best. He said, if there's evil, you have to say that there's good. Because if, the, if, if, if you know evil, then you have to know the opposite of the very thing that you're claiming that you know. There's good. And if there's good, there has to be a moral code to judge good from. And if there is a moral code, there has to be a moral code giver. And to me, the best ex uh, explanation for that moral code giver is God. He's immutable, changeless, the anchor and standard by which everything else is measured. God is holy. He's set apart, morally perfect. Mor God is morally perfect. And that, that, that's a message on its own. God is perfectly just and loving. See, some people, people you know, argue you know, you know, with God, but God is just also. So God understands that there are certain decisions that require certain punishment. And the biggest punishment was death from a decision that Adam made years ago. Don't worry, I'm, I'm going to be standing online having a problem with Adam. You know, making some, you know, having a conversation with Adam. Like, you know, my man Adam, what's good? You know, but until then, we have to be confident with God. God is holy. He's set apart, morally perfect. He is perfectly just and love. And the final one is God is personal. And that's so significant because, you know, it, it some people say, well, let the energy or the universe is uh, sending out good vibes and stuff like that. You know, the, the, only something personal can make a decision to do something. And based on me and who I am, God decided to create a world that Jamal Bernard is living in. See, because personal says God has a mind, God has emotion, and God has a will. God makes choices. See, evolution can't make a choice. The great goo can't make a choice. See, when there's a choice to create, that means there's value in the very thing that was created.
See, and the thing about it is, all these aspects of who God is runs in tandem. They don't run apart from each other. They run together in harmony. So God can be loving and just in response to humanity. So I say to you today, as I close, as you wrestle through this whole idea of, of, of life and what's the meaning of life and, and, and you know, where, where do I stand as an individual? Based on those five questions, origin, meaning, identity, morality, and destiny. You have to answer origin within depth to fully explain the other four. And when you land at God, it sets the tone on how you look at meaning. I am valuable. It sets the tone on how you look at identity. And it's funny because the conversation says, you know, Jesus having a conversation with the disciples. They say, well, Jesus, who should we pay? He said, whose image is on the coin? He said, Caesar. He said, give to Caesar what is Caesar. And, and I believe that the conversation, you know, we, Jesus was gone was, whose image is on you? So you identity, meaning, morality, got to be a standard that stands outside of humanity to respond to the ailments of humanity. We're living in a crazy world. The world is crazy. We got to be able to respond. And destiny. This is, can't be all that there is. There's got to be more. I'm not designed to just live in this time frame. I know that I'm designed to live in more. I pray that you got something out of this. If anything, in spite of what you've gone through, in spite of you saying, I didn't sign up for this, you are valuable to God. And Jesus was a response to any and everything that you will go through or have gone through or are currently going through. And if you haven't met this person, Jesus Christ, I say you need to meet him. Because this is the place, like I said, at the cross, evil, love, justice, and forgiveness converged. And it is there that God dealt with the past, present, and future. God loves you, and he values you. God bless. I pray that you receive something. Matter of fact, I'm, I'm feeling I got to pray. Father God, I pray for all the individuals watching this video. I pray that you would just anoint them afresh to start seeing things from your point of view. Give them an idea, the capacity, the bandwidth, mentally to comprehend who you are and how great you are. So that when we sing this song, how great you are, we are talking not just from a song, but from an experience of the greatness and the magnitude of who you are. So we humbly come to the throne and say, Lord, have your way in our lives. We surrender who we are. And we thank you 
for who you are in spite of our situation, our circumstance, in spite of who we are. Have your way in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. God bless Zoe Christian Fellowship. Once again, thank you so much.